inconsistent characterizations, which lead me to believe that white people wrote the. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. Because history has shown us that courage can be contagious. And hope can take on a life of its own. I will bring you hope, And I ask only one thing in return. We move now, together. Not at all. Hope is not lost today. It is found. Hope is what keeps you going. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Welcome to Skiffy and Fanti Torture Cinema. Lep in the hood comes to do no good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. That was fantastic. Fantastic. You're welcome. I'm Jen. I'm Sean. I'm Terry. And today on Torture Cinema, we have a very special guest who just posted an episode because she's amazing and we love her. And that is Tanya Thompson of Nightlight Podcast. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Hi, thank you. Of course. Really quickly, before we get started, why don't you tell us where people can find you? Uh, you can find me at nightlightpod.com, also on Twitter at nightlightpod, and my personal Twitter is mystifying, M-I-S-S-D-E-F-Y-I-N-G. I love it. Both of you, Terry and Tanya, have like the best Twitter handles ever, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so today on Skiffy and Fancy Torture Cinema, we are talking about the truly awful Why God Why The year 2000, fifth film in the Leprechaun franchise, Leprechaun in the Hood, starring Warwick Davis and the fabulous, as always, Ice-T. Yes. Oh, yeah. And Anthony Montgomery, by the way. Dr. Maddox from General Hospital. Yes. I'm high, by the way. I'm I'm, 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 uh, under the influence. Just want to let the audience know that. Excellent. That's actually what we're going to get into really quickly next is whatever everybody drinking, but we're recording this in the morning. So not all of us are as high as Terry over there. We might wish we are after watching this movie, though. (laughs) Sorry. Let's start with Terry. Terry, what are you imbibing this morning? (laughs) I am imbibing in the uh, natural, uh, uh, what is it? plant of the of the earth in uh what would be considered a smoke form i'm high as fuck right now all right i'm ready (laughs) terry has gone thematic with leprechaun in the hood which has quite a bit of weed in it so yeah as the leprechaun would say blunt is dope (laughs) oh my god oh my god Ah, okay. Sean, are you drinking this morning? I am not because it is, uh, well, now it's officially noon, so I could have gone and got a beer because at least it would be legal. Uh, But I'm not. I I had finished a McDonald's iced coffee, you know, a a little while ago. And so I'm not, I'm boring, basically. No, boring is always, is is wonderful and, and good. And yes, especially for you. Yeah. Who gets a little bit chatty when he's drinking. Yeah, but it's fun. Exactly. And then, Tanya, what are you drinking? I'm drinking some Baileys in my coffee. I'm so jealous that you have Baileys. You should always keep it on hand. I know. I really should. Especially in Texas, like when things close on the weekends and you can't get alcohol because the state's stupid. Ugh. You can't get alcohol on a Saturday in Texas? Well, you can. It's, it's Sundays, Sundays yeah. and they don't sell it to like two or something on Sundays. And that's when you always want Bailey's for your coffee and you can't go get it because Texas says you can't buy alcohol before 2 p.m. Yeah. It's Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day. It's the yes. Lord's hour. You're supposed to be at church. Right. And if you buy it at 158, then you're going to hell. Oh. 
good to know. Yeah. I will avoid buying alcohol before 2 p.m. Yes. Texas cares about our souls. <laughs> yes. But that's 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you are buying before 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you are safe. Um, okay. My turn. I am drinking water because I finished my coffee and it is too damn early in the morning uh, for me because I stayed up too late last night. So I am drunk on lack of sleep. Yeah. Woohoo! So yeah, that's where we're at. As the leprechaun would say, this place is hype. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Ah, exactly. Okay, <sighs> so, so, Tanya. Yes, yes. Please give us a summary of Leprechaun in the Hood. Um, okay, so Leprechaun in the Hood is an embarrassingly awful movie, wherein there is a leprechaun that is freed after someone tries to rob this rap mogul, and he goes on terrorizing people to get his magic flute back. And they solve this problem at the end with weed. That is basically the summary of this movie. You really do not need to know any more than that, because any other plot points that might exist are just stupid. Yes. But it does have to do with three guys who are trying to become rap stars. So Yes, yes. That that's an important part. See, I told you I'm terrible at summarizing movies. It's all good. This movie is terrible. Who cares what it's about? <laughs> um, it's basically the same as every single other Leprechaun movie, except this one takes place in the hood, as they so nicely point out to us in the title of the movie. Yes. <laughs> Compton, California specifically. Yeah, Compton, of course. Always got to be Compton. So fun fact about this movie. This is the last of the Leprechaun movies released by Trimark. It is also the one that, weirdly enough, goes back to Earth because there is a Leprechaun in Space movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. Number four is Leprechaun in Space. And so it follows the same tradition as the Jason movies because Jason also goes to space and then comes back. <laughs> yeah, but that one was really good. No, it is not, Jen. We covered that movie. <laughs> I loved that one. You are one. drunk. That one was amazing. No, it was terrible. It was so fucking awful. <laughs> the only good part of that was there were two good parts. One, the face smash, and then two, the hologram grunt. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> that killed me. There is nothing even remotely as decent in Leprechaun in the Hood, however. So that's what we're going to talk about next. Everything that we disliked about this movie. Actually, we can't do everything because it would literally be, we would talk about each frame of this film and how shitty it is. Yes. Which we should do, but not today. But today we are just going to, as our tradition requires one dislike per person. And because we love Tanya and she is our guest, she gets to go first. So she gets the cream of the crop. Um, if I had to pick one dislike about this movie, it would be the fact that all of these girls seem super enamored with this ugly ass leprechaun. Like, it just it, it says so much about so many things about this movie, but it really like the awfulness and the problematicness of this movie is distilled down into the fact that, you know, these quote unquote gorgeous honeys follow this leprechaun around, even though he's like magic and shit. Like, yes, okay. But he's still ugly as fuck. And they just fawn all over him and like nobody like runs away screaming from this creepy ass looking leprechaun and I don't understand why. Well, like the the three, <laughs> I keep forgetting what they're called. The flea, three fly girl zombies. They're hypnotized. Mm -hmm. Yes, but that does not explain literally every other character in this. Exactly. I think the bartender is like revolted, but then everybody else is like, "No, it's totally normal that your skin is oozing, and uh, you have giant claws and." Although that actually is one of the parts that I love, but yeah. But even like the fly girls, like when they first, you know, appear, like there's this one girl like that's not hypnotized yet that the fly girls bring to him. And she's all like, this is okay. This is cool. I'm going to go up to this dude's lair and I'm going to have sex with him. And 
This isn't weird at all, and I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't, I don't. That scene is even more confusing because it starts with her sort of like doing like sexy face, kind of like wobbling yes. side to side, like look how sexy Trying I am. To and then she gets in the elevator, yeah. and her face goes, "Oh my god, what have I gotten myself into? This is horrifying." And I'm like, "Yes, did did, did they just shoot this where at first she hadn't seen him?" And then she saw him. What? What? How did they design this scene? It's very confusing. I, I, I don't even know. It's implied that she is hypnotized by the Fly Girl zombies at some point, and the fact that I know that. But then she's unhypnotized when she gets in the elevator. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that he has a very nice magic flute. Oh God! Come on! There's the scene. There's the scene where he rhymes about like when when what's his balls? A uh, postmaster master P like goes as a woman, and he's like, "Yeah, ladies go down, and that's great." And like he, oh God! And it's just the implication that he's getting hummers. Oh, I had to. <laughs> Yes. But seriously, like that's that's part of what's so bad about this movie is like, you know, women are reduced to all these, you know, just objects and blackness is reduced to this we just like bitches and hoes and rap and weed and like that's that's that. Like none of these people are like real people at all. Everybody is a caricature. I agree with all of that. So Terry do you have a follow-up to that? <laughs> uh, I have a huge piggyback. That's just a piggyback off of everything Tanya's saying. Because it's the consistent, inconsistent characterizations which lead me to believe that white people wrote the. Okay, so there are multiple writers on this. I looked it up. There's like five or six writers. One of them is Doug Hall, who now writes for Blackish and Grownish. But he was clearly in a room with a bunch of white people and overruled on all kinds of stuff. But it seems like he kind of got his career. I don't know if he got his career started that way. Like, you know, honestly, like he had some credits before that, I think. Um, But I think that that was a sort of jumping point for him, which is also highly symbolic of, you know, everything that it means to be black in media publishing you know whatever is you kind of have to sell your soul and do what the white folks tell you to do and then you can go off and do your own thing and speak speak your truth so to speak so like on blackish and gorgeous but he had to kind of sell his soul first and you know keep his mouth shut and do what he was told in this writing room yeah which presumably is a bunch of white guys guys going uh can you black this up yes <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's, um, I agree in the sense that, yeah, it's definitely a group of white guys um, and the token that they can say, uh, well, we had a black guy in the writing room, so it's not like we made this all up when they clearly did. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, it's the character, I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep it to one, but I really want to say this other one. The tr- the transphobia. Oh yeah, Miss Fontaine. Oh my god! So much transphobia. The transphobia was incredible, and right. it's and also the massage noir. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So it's it, between the transphobia, of course, the the one character uh, who's clearly played by a very butch man, but also the massage noir that was wrapped up in the transphobia of the ending. The fact that the leprechaun supposedly couldn't tell the difference between a black woman and a huge stacked, awkward walking black man in mm-hmm. drag. So right. it it like it harkened back to the belief that all black women, especially those who are further away from the Eurocentric standard, they're all masculine, they're all ugly, they're all it's it it was it was it was a lot. It was a lot to try to enjoy this for being absolute shit. Yeah. But it was hard. That shit was hard. And I think even now, like like I watched this movie probably shortly after it came out, you know, just because I'm into horror movies and like any kind of black horror movie, I've probably watched it. And I don't remember it being this problematic. So, you know, a lot of it, it's, I think I've grown as a person 
And I think, you know, society has also become more aware of a lot of these issues. So it was problematic before, but like now looking at it, it's horrifying. Like the actual horror of this movie isn't this leprechaun that's going around like blowing holes in people. It's the fact that none of these people are people, that they're all treated as objects and that it's, it's so problematic. I 100% agree with both of you. I agree with everything being said because there, there's very overt transphobia here. Uh, and yet at the same time, the, like when I thought about the characters that are presented here, the one character I was most interested in was Fontaine. Yes. Because I wanted to know her story. I want, like, where did she come from, right? Like, she clearly is known in this community because they go to her house to, to hide with her and they all kind of know who she is. But, like, like she's got neighbors who clearly must know who she is. And yet there's no, like, real conversation. She sort of exists to be this kind of hypersexualized character who's kind of flirtatious and very eccentric. And then she gets sort of an unceremonious leprechaun sex death. And can we talk about how she, like, tries to seduce the leprechaun? Because, again, this goes back to... How does anybody look at this leprechaun and think, ooh, yeah, that's what I want right there. Like, I I don't understand. That's that hypersexualized transgender women are are just in it for the sex or something or they're they, they, they're just trying to like hook up with everybody in very low standards. Yeah, it's it's incredibly transphobic. Even like the small part of Miss Fontaine that we got to see, like that Miss Fontaine would have been like who the fuck are you in my house and get up out of here? Like, so it it wasn't even like in character, even like the tiny part of characterization that they gave her was still, it was still way out of character. That was really consistent over all of the characters with this, this this mischaracterization, the inconsistencies back and forth through all of it. Like the motherfuckers I know from the hood, including me, from the village in my, you know, in Trinidad where my family's from up until me living in the hood and being, you know, broken into, no one is that accepting and that open to listening to anything. Like, it's all about survival first and then figuring shit out. So Mm -hmm. a lot of this, it just did not have any of the street street smarts that are at a very baseline. While I get that it's a comedic horror movie, there was so much more room to do shit that would have been consistent with the characters of people in the hood. Like, I don't understand that pawn shop scene where they're trying to um, pawn the fucking guitar. And the thing that killed me is the fact that he threw out the guitar right, right? after him. Like, that's a good <laughs> guitar. Still <laughs> like, wait a fucking minute. You can actually pawn the guitar without trying to front that right. Jimi Hendrix. And the fact that, so that whole scene was weird. And then, of course, we have the racism with Mr. Chow. Oh, God, um, yes. Oh, God. Yeah. We have the racism from Mr. Chow. How are you going to let the black pawn shop owner tell you that Hendrix died in 70, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that I never heard of this palooza or whatever the fuck. How the fuck are you going to go to Mr. Chow and say... Oh, still 1970. He was in the same fucking year right. that this yeah. supposed poli- like come like none of that makes nobody sense would do that. Yeah, the yeah. lack of suspicion, the lack of of immediate defense, just did not make sense to me at a baseline. Like none of the char- every single one of the characters, and the th- I think what annoys me is that they were aiming for depth. If they had just kept it surface as fuck, like, fuck it, cabin in the goddamn woods where everyone is surface as fuck. The fact that they tried to make some kind of depth to the fact that they, oh, they have a positive message and stuff like that. Oh, they're trying to go the right way, but they're, 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 they really want to get out. Like, fuck that. No, fuck all of that so-called seriousness and just go for it. So that's why I think that's what pisses me off the most is like these inconsistent caricatures that have ha, that have this you know symbol worth of depth oh god sorry i just <laughs> trying to be high let me just be high <laughs> <laughs> so, so i'll ruin that just a little bit by by pointing out a fun historical fact which is that this film most likely was being produced and written far earlier which places it even closer to the la riots 
which had a very obvious racial component. Uh, my understanding of it is that on one level, there was a deliberate effort by the LAPD to basically contain the riots in specifically racially oriented neighborhoods. And so the Mr. Chow scene for me, even though he, I believe, is meant to be um, Chinese there, immediately made me think of how the LAPD effectively pushed uh, black rioters against South Koreans and the sort of history that exists there. And this film seems like oblivious to any of that history. It seems almost like it doesn't understand... It sort of, it very much feels like, like if a white person showed up in LA and was like, all right, I need to figure this out, but I got like two weeks to figure out what this, what this community is about. And that's what this film is. Even though the dude, the dude that was, had written the characters for Leprechaun and is the primary writer, Mark Jones, is supposedly from Los Angeles. And yet he seems totally oblivious to not only the history of LA, but all the other components of it. He's a white dude from LA, Sean. I know. Why are you surprised I, I by just, this? Because <laughs> I just... I was going to say, he's from L.A., but he's not from that L.A. Right. Or, yeah, no. And he's so blinded by his damn privilege that he just can't see shit. So, Sean, I'm going to let you do your dislike. Okay, so there's a lot. We've already brought up Fontaine. Um, I would just say that the the rap in this movie, like, you can't have iced tea be in your movie, and have the rap music be this terrible. Exactly! Oh my god! <laughs> I just don't understand. Like, because some of them are, like, kind of like, alright, like, it's maybe, like, the, the like, 15-year-old dudes, like, writing, like, kind of positive rap, and I was like, fine, it's not horrible, but it's, like, whatever. But, like, as the pr- movie progresses, they get progressively worse. And it's not because I was drinking, because I watched it this morning. So I, it's not like I got drunk and they just got worse, because normally when you drink, they get better. <laughs> No, they got worse and worse, and, like, not to mention, like, once we get to the leprechaun rap, like, that's even, like, like, fucking awful. Because uh, it's just stupid, the rhymes are terrible. Most of the leprechaun rhymes are just terrible. Uh, they feel like they're ad lib. Yeah, and he should have at least been <laughs> yeah. good. Like, the, the group was supposed to be bad, like, that was the whole point. Like, they're bad, and the magic flute makes it so that people are like, oh, they're wonderful, but the leprechaun didn't have right. to be bad, like. But the thing, but he like. totally is. I, my, the worst. So the maybe I misread the film, but to me it seemed like the reason that they're presented as bad is because they're not adhering to the the stereotypes of rap music. Because there's that moment where Ice T's character Mac Daddy, because of course he has to be called Mac Daddy. Um, Onassis. Mac Daddy <laughs> Onassis, because he owns asses. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> such a terrible joke like there's this horrible (laughs) moment which reminded me a lot of like stuff when i was reading like harlem renaissance stuff about like black writers showing up and sort of being told by white publishers specifically like well we want this very particular black experience to be told and it has to be like gritty and it's gotta be like nightclub shit and like everybody's like having sex and like drinking booze and all this shit and that's what it made it me feel like it's like here's ice t saying like here's what rap music is it's gotta be violent it's gotta be talking about b words and like you know, uh, about guns and, like, shooting up the hood and shooting your friends and, like, drugs and all of this stuff. And their music was about, like, no, we're, like, about unity and, like, being togetherness. And, like, yeah, there's a degree to which, like, it goes back to the writing again of the sort of misunderstanding of basically all rap music or Ice-T's music, for that fucking matter. Jesus. Uh, But it just, like, that to me felt like they were being framed as being terrible because... They weren't adhering to the stereotypes, even though also they are actually terrible. Uh, but that, I think, goes to the writing. But maybe I misread that. I don't know. Point is, I just, the rap's terrible. I just, it's so bad. And I just don't understand, like, when you hired Ice-T, like, this is before Ice-T was, like, like he was a famous rapper, but he wasn't, like, big, like, in terms of, of acting. So so why didn't you be like, hey, like, Ice-T, like, we want to pay you, but, like, could you, like, give us some help over here? Like, cause look, Mark Jones is writing all the raps and a dude is white as fuck. Like Mark Jones, he's this bald, like 60 year old white dude. Like his last music experience was like journey. Like sadly, that's not actually who wrote the rap. No, who wrote the rap? It was Nicholas Rivera. I don't know who Nicholas Rivera is, uh, but he's got a long, I, I, I just, I don't know who he is. It's probably just Mark Jones using a pseudonym. Right. 
Rob Spira and Doug Hall, of course, also wrote some of the, the raps as well. Um, some of them were written by Anthony Montgomery, though. He should that not do dude that is corny. He's a corny <laughs> dude. He's a corny-ass dude, so he's going to have corny-ass rhymes. So I'm going to follow that up with my dislike, which is that this film is so fucking 90s. Uh, Terry and Tanya, you both got my big ones. Obviously, the transphobia really fucking pisses me off. Um, but, you know, just the the way that they are contextualizing black people in the hood, and it's just all bad. It's all bad. Like, the fact that they took all of the worst things about 90s movies um, in terms of those characterizations of black people and the corniness of films and and the corniness of the leprechaun franchise in the first place and they like shoved it into this movie and i'm i'm like good on you warwick for getting a paycheck also good on uic for getting a paycheck but what the fuck did you just make (laughs) and why like why why would you do this I don't know. Like, I don't even understand Ice-T in this movie. Apparently he did it because his son mm-hmm. was a big fan of the Leprechaun franchise. So, respect. Okay. Do it for your kids. Sort of. Except, if you're gonna do something for your kids, maybe right. not this movie. I don't know. Like, I I love Ice-T as an actor. And I have for a long, long time. Because Surviving the Game is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and it probably shouldn't be. But uh, it's just amazing, and I I loved that he got to be just so badass and kill a bunch of white people. I love Ice T, but for God's sakes, man, have some have some principle, I guess. Do not show this to your children, please. Why would you? Ugh. I and yeah, I don't know. None of that made sense because this movie's just bad all around, and I apologize for that. I just. I just, I I can't even narrow down my fucking dislikes because it's just so broad and expansive (laughs) and like from start to finish, this is just (laughs) terrible. So terrible. So, so terrible. Okay. So we got to go to likes. Uh, There's nothing to actually like about this movie, but we're going to, we're going to attempt to find likes. And Tanya, once again, because she's our guest, we're going to be really nice uh, and let her pick the first like. I actually have two. One that's movie related and one that's not. Excellent. So I'll start with the movie related one. Um, I loved the part at the beginning when Icy has the fro and he like pulls the knife out of his fro. Oh my and pulls God. And a baseball bat out of his fro. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> That was great. I yes. love that. Yes. Um, and his shoes, like everything about him was just, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> like, I just loved it. Um, like when I first started watching it, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. And, you know, I was thinking, oh yeah, I really love this movie. And then, you know, all the problematic stuff started happening. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> so um, that was the best part of the movie was like the first two minutes of it. The other thing is that this movie reminded me of the Alabama Leprechaun. Now, I don't know if you guys have heard this. Is that but... that news report? Yes. <laughs> yes. I have not heard this, and I am so excited. Okay. Okay. So there's this news report, and um, there's this there's this group group of people or whatever. They're saying that they saw a leprechaun in the community and they're interviewing all these people and of course like you know they're in the hood interviewing people and there's this one woman that they're interviewing and she's like look like a crackhead got hold to the wrong stuff and then there's this black dude who has a flute and he said this was passed down from my great 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 grandfather from ireland thousands of years ago who was irish and i mean yes black people can be irish but that he ain't irish (laughs) (laughs) just put it that way and then, so the best part of this whole newscast is um, they, they ask somebody to write or to draw a sketch of the Alabama leprechaun, someone who says they've seen it. And the sketch looks like a seven-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and they I'm show looking it up 
now. Oh my god! <laughs> they show it on the news, and it's like like they show it like like they say it like it's all going to be legitimate and everything. Like you know, we had somebody draw a sketch of you know what he purported to be the Alabama <laughs> leprechaun, and they show it. <laughs> it's it's like this fucking just line drawing that a seven year old could have done. It's basically like you know, there's his hat, and then like there's his face, and then he's got like some eyes. So it's like super like not even leprechaun caricature it's just like dude with a hat that looks like a leprechaun hat um and like the news the news people the news anchors are you know making comments about <laughs> about the drawing <laughs> you know about how great quote-unquote was you know they're sarcastic about it but um but yeah i love i love the alabama leprechaun story and it reminded me of that and i went and i had to watch it again and it made me laugh and it made me happy because the alabama leprechaun is the best newscast ever there's actually a a report that somebody did that the alabama leprechaun is the greatest viral story of all time and one resident at the end said that maybe it's not so bad that a leprechaun is in their neighborhood but he basically was like where's the gold at and yeah. I'm like, you know what? No shit. For real. Hold the gold. Where the gold I, I get that. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to give me a backhoe and uproot that tree. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. I can quote that whole, <laughs> that whole thing. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that story. Go search on YouTube, Alabama <laughs> Leprechaun. I promise you will not regret it. I'm sure it's much, much better than this movie. So much better than this movie. Like, I would watch that video 500 times instead of watching this movie again. Terry, did you manage to find any likes about this movie? I am a sucker for, like, goofy faces, which is probably why I remotely can stand Kevin Hart. (laughs) Um, But so Red Grant was my favorite. The the light-skinned big dude. You stole my like. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay, I'll survive. <laughs> There's such little to like I know. about it. <laughs> I mean, I just also have, I'm a sucker for hearing advanced things. I don't want to necessarily say smart, but advanced things in like Hood and AAVE. So mm-hmm. I loved, as much as the characterization annoyed me, I do like the fact that he was such a nerd and was that curious kid that no matter how much home training you try to instill, he will still go around touching things because he's incredibly curious. Um, so he was absolutely the highlight for me. Most of it, of course, I, even the movie overshadowed how goofy he is. And oh my God, it's so painful. Oh, but yeah, he definitely, his facial expressions killed me absolutely loved it yeah i loved watching i I loved his his like light glasses that he wore (laughs) um and i even loved him like as much as it was super problematic i loved the dress that he was wearing and and his adorable lips with the lipstick on it because he just looked so darling and he didn't like bother shaving his mustache because obviously this (laughs) this movie is terrible in every single way but he looked so cute in that tiara, and I was like, "He did with his but his final words, glasses. his final words, <laughs> not in a dress, <laughs> not in a dress." <laughs> Good lord! Oh, he was so precious, and I loved him. I agree. Yeah, like with the the headband that he had on, it was like I could just immediately picture him being that dad who takes tea time more serious than his. Oh kids. yeah. Exactly, exactly. He's probably just like, he's the one that has like the metal ball and is like, no, you got to put it in here like this. You got to blend the vanilla with the oolong. It's going to be good. Like I can see him being that kind of dad. And I think it's adorable. I think you are absolutely 100% correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely agree on all fronts. He was my favorite aspect of this movie. And now I'm going to have to come up with a second one. And I don't know if I can. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean, you're like. Oh, okay. Well, this this is an easy choice for me, actually. Uh, Which is Warwick Davis. Who, uh, look, this movie's terrible. 
and he's given some pretty awful material to work with. Uh, but he commits to this role like uh, Daniel Day-Lewis commits to a role, and it's just it's just phenomenal to watch this man just really work and be a creepy-ass goblin leprechaun dude. And and he is quite good at it. It's it's creepy how good he is at being a, a demonic hell leprechaun dude. Because he has some just incredible moments in this where he, you just have these like like close-up shots of his face and he's just working through all that prosthetics and crap to give you so much creepy joy. Yes. He's just delighted. And, <laughs> he's so almost delighted. all the time. And I loved him for it. Yes. And I love it because, like, he doesn't have a lot of lines to say. He mostly only speaks in these creepy rhymes. Actually, I think he only speaks in rhymes. Uh, but, like, there, like, there's this great moment where he, uh, he, he meets the, the blind mother. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say anything. Like, he giggles once, but, like, you see him reacting, and there's so much going on in his face about what's going on as, he, as she's trying to feed him. Uh, and it, obviously it turns out it's a dream, so it's not real, but it's still, Warwick Davis is in the scene, so whatever. All right, and it's just, it's just really wonderful to watch somebody who's sort of aware that this is an absurd role, but still gives it their all to make it believable. Sorry, when you said he commits like Daniel Day-Lewis, I just pictured Warwick every time a PA would be like, I'm sorry, Mr. Davis, I didn't, and he just turns around and is like, giving the only rhyme about bitch I'm leprechaun don't refer to me by that name <laughs> like I just <laughs> I just I'm so ready for to see like because one of the things <laughs> there was a tweet that when uh Daniel Day-Lewis was shooting Lincoln um <laughs> there was a tweet that said uh DDD has been arrested for punching a PA when they didn't refer to him as pre- Mr. President. Oh my god. <laughs> like, that is that is so good. So I just, sorry, I pictured Warwick just like, oh god, I can't even try to do the voice with the rap. What the fuck is your problem? Oh my god. Sorry. And he's just pulling off people's fingers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> okay. How dare you refer to me as Warwick Davis? And it's steal your fingers and feed it to my cat named Mavis. There. <laughs> Look, they're as good as in the movie, so. All right, so uh, my like. Uh, okay, so Tanya took the only good scene. Terry took the only good character. Sean took Warwick Davis, which, I mean, fair. And that leaves me with, um, Grandma. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Grandma was awesome. I actually kind of loved that dream sequence because I was like, no, this this actually makes sense as a reaction. Like, if all you're doing is feeling his hands and she goes through, first off, she was just kind of a a fun, like, no-nonsense character. Um, as much as it was a caricature as well. But when she's feeling his hands and she's like, you know, oh, baby, you, you, you've got arthritis really bad. <laughs> and she's feeling the knots on his hands. I was like, I'm looking at her hands at the same time because, you know, she's an older woman, an older actress portraying this part. And, and I just understood. I was like, oh, yeah, like that makes sense that she would be like, I'm going to feed you. And I was surprised that she didn't find him ointment for his hands. That was the one thing. I was like, <laughs> Grandma, go get the ointment for his hands because clearly he needs help with his arthritis. And I just was like, I love you for just being so loving and wonderful. Um, and and so, yeah, that was that. that's all I can think of. And she didn't die, so I appreciated that because um, <clears throat> I was going to be really mad. And... I was hoping it wasn't a dream because I was like, go fucking grandma. You actually knew the whole time and then stabbed him in the eye. You were just faking. And then it was just a dream. And I was actually kind of bummed by that because I could totally see grandma taking out the leprechaun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question, though, mostly for Terry. So 
my grandmother used to put WD-40 on her knees when her arthritis was acting up. I don't know if that's like a black Southern thing or if it's like a black thing. So do you, have you ever heard of that, Terry? The WD-40, no. Okay. So I guess it's a black Southern thing. I think it's a black Southern thing. Okay. We were not as, as chemically as, as, or as chemical rather as uh, the black South. We definitely just did a lot of pull, get that flower, get that leaf, mash it up, (laughs) put in a nasty ass tea, drink it, whatever. And then, or rub something, basically tiger balm and Vaseline is what it is. It's just mix yeah. that up. Like, that's the kind of, and betadine was a big thing, but like, um, and mercurochrome. Mercurochrome healed everything in this house. <laughs> everything. <laughs> I never even heard of that. Mercurochrome. And the funny thing is, is that I went to go look for it because I like to pass on my fucked up traditions. I was trying to look for it. It's not, it's not widely for sale anymore because it has traces of mercury in it yeah that's not good (laughs) i mean mercurochrome i'm shocked exactly but that's the thing i came my parents are older generation of here's some iodine some raw iodine on your not on the head like oh yeah like there is there's this generation of yes this might be poisoning you but i bet you good in two days (laughs) (laughs) but aside from that um it is now time to go into our final thoughts and our grades so tanya you are up first (sighs) final thoughts um there's nothing to say except this movie is terrible and problematic and really they should have just kept the part with iced tea and like that could have been just a short film and that would have been great um and then they kept doing more and they ruined it (laughs) true story i'm gonna have to give this film an f simply because it is so problematic like just it perpetuates so many stereotypes and it it needs to die it needs to die and fade away into history and no one ever needs to watch it ever again yep fair enough terry final thoughts and a grade um i'm really super high (laughs) a plus a a plus on that final thoughts this is one of the very few films in my film viewing history that i have been offense like i have been offended to the very core of me to the very core this i'm going to have to need to process with my therapist this was so traumatic to my i i oh my god sorry this is so bad so bad it was so So bad. bad Um, as far as my letter grading, I'm going to give it a Tiffany at the counter of Walmart with an expired coupon letter to the manager. (laughs) (laughs) That is the best grade that anybody has ever given a movie on torture cinema. (laughs) That was fantastic. Well done. Have fun quantifying that, I Jen. will. <laughs> We're going to call it an F minus. Yep. That is currently the lowest grade possible in yes. our grading system. Yes, exactly. I would like to revise mine to an F minus. I thought F was the lowest, so let's... No, 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 no. With F minus is totally okay in our book. Okay. F minus then. All right. Sean, final thoughts and grade. So, I mean, I think it's obvious right now that this is one of the greatest films ever made. Why would you say any of this? You are offending me. Uh, (laughs) Offending me and the world. I rebuke. I rebuke your your speech. Be gone. I'm going to have to burn some sage and sprinkle my laptop with holy water. Exactly. (laughs) No, this movie is is terrible. As, As others have said, right, this is... It's, it is offensive. Uh, it is so overly reductive that I just find it irritating. Like, I'm not a big rap music person. I'm, I'm not. I mean, I think it's pretty clear 
by people who know me pretty well that like I listen to a, a few rap artists, but I, I'm not really I'm, I'm not very well versed in in the rap music world. But this movie pissed me off because I know enough about rap music that I just found its treatment of rap music really fucking irritating uh, because it's just so stupid. And I don't mean just making of raps. I mean all the other aspects of it, like the culture, the overproductiveness. Like, for God's sakes, Hollywood Homicide does it better. And that and that movie doesn't do it very well. So, yeah, so for me, um, you know, as much as I, I... There were the things that I liked ended up being things that I just wish they had done that instead of whatever they actually did. Like, honestly, I would just rather the main character be Fontaine Rivera. Yes, I want that movie. So for me, it's an F minus because I hate this film as much as I think Wars Davis is, is, uh, you know, delightful because he's, he's so into the role and he just really commits to it. It just it just falls so short on almost every mark. And I agree it it should be a film that, you know, outside of doing stuff like this where we like make fun of it and rip it apart, it probably should not receive any higher place in the history books in terms of cinema and it hopefully maybe it just kind of disappears yeah like burnt in hell please i so far agree with all of you and i don't think it deserves a higher grade than f minus so i too am giving it an f minus i'm grossly offended that they made a second leprechaun in the hood yes which maybe it's better that would be a really fucking low bar, so I hope so. And good on Warwick Davis for continuing to get that check. I mean... But on the plus side, this was the last movie that Trimark released. So this movie was so terrible that it put Trimark out of business. That's how bad it was. You know what? Honestly, they deserve that shit. Yeah, seriously. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and maybe it didn't really put them out of business, but I'm going to pretend it did because it absolutely <laughs> should have. Even if it didn't, that I'm going to choose to believe that not only was this their downfall, but everyone who had anything to do with this movie, as far as like the final product, has to watch this movie over and over again in hell. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's a that's a fair curse. I mean, granted, uh, generally we're like, you know, again, good on them for getting a paycheck, except I, I would say that at least the writers, uh, except for Doug Hall, who, you know, mm-hmm. had to get there. But all those white boys who were in that room going, let's reduce everybody to a racial or transgender or other stereotype because that's funny. <laughs> As they're smoking their cigars and sipping their fucking, you know, bourbon or some shit like that in, in gray suits and, and yeah. Fuck them. So, yeah. Uh, this movie is shit. Nobody should ever watch it. It is grossly offensive on literally every level, while also being oddly boring as fuck, having nothing funny about it at all except for that opening sequence with, you know, pulling a billy club out of his afro for Ice-T, which was kind of amazing. And yeah, like, that's that's all there is to this movie. Um, It's fucking burn it in hell and burn <laughs> all those writers like that's that's all there is to it so oh okay i'm gonna release my rant and let the church say amen, amen. <laughs> oh the reverend was creepy though oh yeah don't even start on that let's <laughs> not even start on that um thank you all of you for I'm so sorry that that the Skiffy and Fanty patrons, by the way, if you want to become a patron of Skiffy and Fanty, we are at patreon.com slash Skiffy and Fanty. Uh, thank you so much, patrons, for making us watch this fucking movie. You're all evil. I apologize profusely, Tanya, for breaking you on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm so sorry. I'll think about forgiving you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Please do. Uh, I will never forgive myself for watching this movie. (laughs) Well, if you remember, I'm the one that suggested this movie. So technically, it's kind of my fault. What the hell? I mean, I remember it was bad. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, fit the criteria for torture cinema. But 
I forgot how bad it was. I think maybe that <laughs> I blocked a lot of it out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what happened. I mean, that, that's very common with torture cinema boobies, so I understand completely. Thank you, Terry, for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Yay! It was an excuse for me to get high earlier in the day, so thanks. <laughs> Always a good excuse. As the leprechaun would say, the blunt is dope! God! <laughs> oh, <God>. Damn it! <laughs> <sighs> that's the worst part of this movie is that gave you so many lines uh, so many what? lines i know god what are we doing i never should have invited him on i had to listen no. to this shit all fucking morning thank you sean for coming on the show and giving us your wonderful impressions of warwick davis as the leprechaun they were utterly delightful you're welcome so much sarcasm in my voice i hate you so much thank you tanya for being our guest today and for suggesting this lovely film thank you you're welcome so much i am true truly the evilest of all (laughs) oh and with that skiffy and fanty listeners another successful halloween torture cinema in the books. I hope you have a very happy Halloween. And with that, Lemp in the hood, come to do no good. Fuck you, Lemp in Sean. The hood, come to do no good. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>